I feel like we should start with just a chat about. Well, first of all, oh, actually, okay, <clears throat> this feels like an sorry. interview already. Hello, I was I was <laughs> yes, about to sorry. start with with a much broader conversation, but let's 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 narrow it in. I got my okay. Spotify for podcasters wrapped thing. Oh, oh yeah. Do you know when they highlight all the the numbers to realize just how weird how early they do that exactly yeah it's weird isn't it yeah but it it does kind of highlight the disparity between how the well like the the amazing podcasts do and how our little podcast does but hey oh still good hey now come on now numbers uh numbers were going in the right direction so we added uh, our new listeners are up 65 percent year on year which is nice that's a lot and that's quite a lot we added more listeners in the states in the last 12 months than anywhere else which is really what interesting. What are seeing in this podcast? I guess we do talk about the States a lot. We do, we do, but the fact is we're both Scots in Scotland and we've added more and people from the States rather than UK. Weird. Hmm. But hey, we welcome our... You were in America for a bit and you did wear a hat. I did, yeah. Wore a pink cowboy hat on stage. That probably convinced some people to Google you. It's one of the highlights of the year. Yes. And also, in fairness, I have posted it on LinkedIn about the podcast a couple of times when we've hit like a big number. Are we getting like business people listening? I think Hello, maybe. dear listener, are you a business person? <laughs> I can think of a couple people in business uh-huh. who listen to the, the show. Okay. But as I was saying, actually to my boss, whilst we were both in a sauna, in uh, Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. This is a show a which is basically just for people who know me and you. It is. So the fact that we are adding listeners from the States who clearly don't, maybe know us by proxy or through someone else, but they don't actually well, the know Scottish us. the Scottish diaspora is very wide. That is that is true. People who are like an, an, an inth. An inth? Scottish? That's not a word. Yeah, an inth. An inth. Although... Someone made a point and said, right. "Actually, these Americans who say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm four point seven five percent Scottish. Don't know what part of the states they're the, from. I'm from the Mac- the Mackenzie clan. <laughs> Sorry, my American was from Bruges. I I made mine up. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we often it's very easy to make fun of these it Americans is. and then Canadians too. It is because we're like." You're you're silly. Your great 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 grandmother was Scottish. Does not make you Scottish. However, right? There was a, a video doing the rounds on social media recently, which was like, "Hey, okay. hey, you, making fun of Janet from Detroit, okay? Who says that she's uh, an nth Scottish? Yeah. She's actually more Scottish than than you are, probably, because her ancestors were fully one hundred percent Scot. Well, maybe yeah. a little bit percent Norse." But the rest of them, fully Highlander. And then that Highlander and his Highland family went over to America. And they were as as Scottish as the day is long. But you're, you Scottish person, you're probably half English or half Irish or you're something else. So give him a break, man. I thought... It's a, no, actually. Well, no, because that's exactly the problem. <laughs> Your Scottishness isn't inherited through blood. Please. Okay. But the, the, it did make me think. Like I technically am half English. My surname is English. Right. Yeah. That was made. That video was made to target you. I'm sat here like my dad's from an island. My mom's from the Highlands. Right. Fine. You. So you. You can tick the box of like hundred percent purebred Scot. Whereas I could. I could play for. Well, England. no, because my grands from my grands family's from from 
from Ireland. I don't know how much of my gran is I is I is from Ireland, but my sure family is. But that's like that goes that goes forever back. Like, come on now, we're all, like bunch a bunch of us are Norse, a bunch of us are like there's a bunch of people who have Italian heritage sure. <laughs> because of some shipwreck. You know, that stuff goes way back. It's not. It's 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 it. That is part of the problem where like where a bunch of cosplayers think they inherit the power of a nation through their blood or whatever. That's the cringe part. Yeah. And the other cringe part that this video is not targeting is when these Americans and other people from elsewhere in the world talk to you. They're like, "Oh, you're Scottish." They're like, "Oh, well, I know, I know a guy called Ewan from Edinburgh. <laughs> Do you know Ewan from Edinburgh? <laughs> Wait, sorry, Edinburgh, Edinburgh." That's actually that's how you say it. Come on, James. Edinburgh. Do you know what you and we're like? Okay, that's the crazy well, part. Sorry, on that point, I did get my 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 own Spotify rap to show how much insane levels of music I listened to over the last year. Okay, and yeah. Spotify did this thing, which was like, "Hey, your music taste is kind of specific to Pittsburgh. If you move to Pittsburgh, there's loads of people oh, yeah. there I'm from- who listen to the same music as you." I'm from Burlington. Oh, of course you are. And anyway, I I did a tweet. Uh, from my, <laughs> of course I am. And uh, I said I will consider moving to Pittsburgh if we can start saying it like Edinburgh. So Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. let's move to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, I feel like we should say it's it like far that. Far more interesting. But you know what? The whole the whole Scottish clients thing is actually cringe these days. Why? Like all the tartans are made up and pretend and cringe. Sure. But we got we do it ourselves. We buy into it. We do. Um. Like, there is no lords anymore, not really. Like, some of them still have the titles. Some of them still... There are still clan chiefs. They've got the titles. But it's just... None of it's relevant It was St. Andrew's Day yesterday. Um, Google did a wee thistle thing on its homepage. Oh, no. I Like, I'm not saying that like, all the pride in this stuff and all of the... Uh, like, the culture is bad and we should forget about it. I'm saying that we have to embrace that it is just made up as well. All right. And that... It being made up is what gives it power, you know, because then we can be inclusive of everybody. If we recognize how how made up it is for us, we can anybody else can join in as well. It's when people like cosplay like it's actually real because their great grandfather was from, uh, I don't know. Lairg. <laughs> Lairg, yeah. Or Altnabrek. Or Ardnamurkin. Or Ochterarder. Or Drumnadrochet. Yes. Anyway. Real places. I, I don't know how we ended up there. I, do you know what? In fact, I do have a question. Was your dad Wait. ever the kind of person who would inform you about your own heritage? For example, uh, this is I, I use this as a, a as a tongue-in-cheek story. So your tongue's in your cheek, yes. Mother, do not come after me for this story. We were told for years by my mum that we had Indonesian blood. <laughs> do you ever hear this? <laughs> no. Ever told this? <laughs> nope. Okay, well, no. story time, everybody. For years, my mother insisted that we had some sort of Indonesian blood in us right. because, and she would point to a couple of our relatives who were who were exceptionally tanned all the time. James McKeever, <laughs> old guy, and even like Kenneth, older brother, tans very easily and has very, very dark hair. Okay. So my mum's reasoning was that generations ago, yeah. there was... Her like great 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 granddad uh-huh. who was in the merchant navy yeah, and he sailed yeah, to Indonesia yeah, and he yeah. met an Indonesian woman. They Absolutely. married. They had two kids. Yeah. And then when it was time for him to go from Bali to Stornoway, they he was like, right, woman, let's go. 
And she was like, I'm not going. Okay. I'm going to stay here. Uh-huh. And she took the girl and he took the boy. Okay. This is the, all true, apparently. All true. And then this boy came back and that was uh, that was in our blood somewhere. That's I, I must say, I have, for an 18th century Indonesian woman, she clearly knew her rights. Yeah, I'm proud of so, Do you know? Well done, you. <laughs> right. Stick, stick where you want. This was the theory as to why some people in our family have darker skin and okay. very, very black hair. And then, of course, mum did like a 23andMe, one of those DNA tests. Oh, no. And it came back like 98.4% Scottish. Oh, no. The there's rest a, of it was there, Irish. There's so. a 0.6 in there. There's oh, <laughs> very. I, I, I felt for her because, you know, that's the kind of story which you, it's died in the wool. You've I heard that story so many times. And then you get oh, the DNA man. test back Quite and it says, what? nope, you're just pale and stale. This is why we shouldn't do DNA tests. It ruins our random stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, they get possession of your DNA data. And that's they, also true. They could sell it on to companies to try and target yeah. you with specific me- medicinal mm. targeted art adverts for things you don't quite need, but they think they can sell you anyway. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Ahem. Hi, Mum. Uh, but no, I have never actually heard that one. I don't. I don't know. So I can can confirm, not Indonesian. I, my parents is my mum who tans tans boy and so so the story's gone it doesn't work for me (laughs) yeah that's it because she's she's not from the story anyway so get that out okay anyway spotify rap for podcasters i love that i love that by the way that the i don't know how long that story went back or if it was made up just for you um for for your generation but like i love the idea that Tanning, tanning easier. It was, was Indonesian. Curious enough <laughs> to come up with some legitimate reasoning for it. Yeah, it's just people. Some people so, just tan that more is than others, true. but you know, <laughs> absolutely. And some people's beards are ginger, and that's yeah. just the way they are. Anyway, yeah. Thank you to everybody for listening to the show. As Spotify for podcasters wrapped did tell me. Uh, lots of you have been listening. Do you know I what know, our, actually, our yeah. most listened to episode oh. last year or the last 12 months was the episode where Nicola Sturgeon resigned? Oh, of course. It was called Bye Nicola. Man, man, we actually did it. We did a we did a search engine optimization. We did. Wow. And people were like, wow, let's hear two people's misinformed takes <laughs> on <laughs> Nicola Sturgeon. Right. Or as I keep seeing her name written by people who are pro-Remain, uh, Turgeon, no, sorry, Turdgen. Oh, because they're very original. Uh, yeah, so the episode on Nicola Turdgen. I mean, that's exactly the joke I would say if she was some right winger. Anyway, to be fair, so yes, uh, that that was our most popular episode, or it was the episode that got the most thank you, new listeners. So thank you to our former first thank minister. Thank you for the thank you for the favor for resigning just before yeah. she got arrested, which was totally unrelated. Yes, by the way, definitely <laughs> still unrelated. Oh, we should we should talk later. I completely forgot about this. We should talk about uh, Geert Wilders, the new Whoa. Dutch prime minister. Did you see this? Oh yeah, we mad should. racist. Oh, we should talk about the new Argentinian prime minister. President. Oh yeah, Argentinian who's gonna, dude too? He's going to make the dollar the new currency. Chainsaw man. Ch- yeah, loves chainsaws. Bizarre. Yeah, he's don't a remember his name. Proper libertarian. It's definitely going to end well. Yeah. Anyway, we we also have been away for. A while. Yeah. And part of that has been the, that sort of self-reflection that we touched on last time, which was the the episode that we did was 
so heavy. Yeah. And the news recently has become, as I saw yesterday on social media, well, with just recently, uh... graphic videos of children being shot dead by Israeli snipers. It, I just didn't want to. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. I've reached the point where, yeah, to me, it is still important that these things are acknowledged and discussed, and that I do still see these videos and read these stories because otherwise, just pretending it's not existing when actually it's very much existing uh-huh. in the world. But I felt I just felt like that episode, and also just the weeks and months of this has just been going on and on and on and on, was getting too much. The world's not getting better. So that was part of it. Uh-huh. And the other part, I think, is uh-huh. just a chance for, as we've discussed for quite some time yeah. on yeah. the show, uh-huh. is actually doing something different. Yes. But what that different is, <laughs> we don't know. American Impressions. That's the show from now on. It's going to be a very short show. <laughs> or, very. you could just keep doing it don't edit anything and uh, you see if at the end of two hours is much better. You know, I've got a really good impression of uh, one of America's favourite war criminals, Kissinger. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's a great impression. I know, spot on, right? Actually, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that wow. later on. Um, yeah, that was funny. And the other the other part is... What we, no, sorry, what we'll do is this episode we will do as... A seesaw parade episode, as you know and love it. Yes, name's going to stick around. Yes. but I think it's time for a refresh of even like a logo. Oh, and what we I presume that this is episode three two three, which is yeah, it's a fair enough number to end on. Uh, things like the naming convention three, of the two, episodes. One would have been, I still regret that one. I regret what we missed. We missed that. We missed a perfect chance. To we did. Off we certainly did. There. A chance to a balcony on the first floor to gently land carefully and uh, three, two, one, and just for the show to end at that point. Yeah, that would that would have been funny. Yeah, it would be perfect. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so that's that's my thought, and then we will take time to figure out what does new seesaw parade look like. We'll keep the name because we've got the SEO juice, we've got the Googles, they like us. Okay, but it's time I think for for less of me slash us. Yeah. Just talking about depressing, depressing things. And sure, we can still talk about them in future, but perhaps less reactively and less... Well, yeah. Without, as I often do, just kind of making up stuff as I go. Or things come into my head and I say them. I'd far rather, if we could choose <laughs> okay. a topic or topics and actually have some time to right. do some research and maybe plan out some points and then have a, a discussion about okay. them. I don't know. I'm, like, I'm just making things up. I don't know. That's an idea. Let us know what you think, listener. What do you think of Colin's idea? Tell him it's good. Would you Would you have anything else? I know it's. I'm kind of springing this on you, but oh. do you agree with my sentiment that we've 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 kind of hit a plateau? I think the thing for me isn't that so much a plateau, and I I, I think a big part of it is that there's 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 going to be burnout if you talk about crap news forever. Yeah, there's eventually going to be a burnout, and if <laughs> you're not getting, we're not getting like incentivized to do this. Except from just this is a thing that we do. Yeah, it's true. So if it's a thing that we do that is that is just a burnout, what's the point? So do something that isn't a burnout because it's just a thing that we do. Um, the other part for me that is a bit more important that has definitely been building over the years is that there are just people who are smarter than us that are talking about these same things. Yep. So why not let let, let them talk? <laughs> just, 
Yeah, that's that's that is absolutely yeah. valid. I don't think that we're stealing anybody's views or that we're stealing anybody's like <laughs> space on the internet. But I feel like the best thing we can do for a lot of these topics would be to point people to smarter people rather than keep on doing the thing that we do where we are mostly somewhat accurate, but it's all opinion. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. And we do occasionally point people to someone else, but it's it's rare. Yeah. Usually we'll just say it, say it confidently, say it loudly. Yeah. Get away with it. But that's like, we haven't, yeah, we're not promising to be like the news or anything. I think we've slipped into a sort of newsy format over the years by accident. But I, I think that those two things combined of burnout and also like, why are we doing this when other smarter people do a better job? Sure. It means that we probably should do something that is more meaningful. But I, I also, what I've enjoyed over the years, but more, I've noticed it more in the last few weeks and months, oh. is the is the kind of discussions or mainly on YouTube videos, something like Cinema Sticks. I don't know if you know Cinema Sticks. Uh. They're a YouTube channel and they go into real depth as to whether it's things like scripting in movies and why in certain movies it's worked incredibly well and other ones it hasn't. Okay. Dialogue. And even, for example, I saw one recently where they were comparing Nolan's, Christopher Nolan's movies over the years okay, and yeah. attempting to figure out why are certain directors just making the audio indecipherable and right. just having a full discussion, but often scripted. Oh. They've figured out in advance, all right, here's the points I'm going to make and I'm going to make them like this. And then it's really nicely edited and it's put together. And it would probably work as a, as like an audio thing only. You don't need the video as well. But th- these sorts of almost video essays, mm-hmm. if, I think. If, if, yeah, video essay content is a thing. It's been a thing for a while, yeah. Right. And that's that's what I realize I've enjoyed. People okay. who clearly have done the research, they yeah. know what they're talking about, but they also have a point of view. Right. That is really interesting to me. Cool. We, we could, like, However, yeah, no, we could talk. We could. We people, could, we could people, actually people try. have done this already, so we'd have to figure out. All right, uh, where can we go? I mean, that isn't just Colin and James talking about why Marvel movies have fallen off the face of the earth in terms of quality. That's the wrong analogy. They've fallen off a cliff in terms of quality, <laughs> and as we'll discuss, yeah, uh, box office as well. Because people talk. People have talked about that. Have we talked about that? We maybe nudged. The, the issue slightly we've poked around it but is there a chance to talk about even as I was reading yesterday can you think of a recent movie which had a sex scene in it uh, all the movies with sex scenes wait like 20 years old and this this article was pointing out hang on here's Did why Oppenheimer bang <laughs> get okay. the article deleted no, hold cancel on, no, hold that on. article for being a liar no 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 Oppenheimer no. banged at least once there was <laughs> So there's one in it. But the the point they were making was, if you look at whether it was like Kurt Russell or, or Bruce Willis in the 80s and 90s, their physiques weren't exactly Chris Hemsworth or Jason Momoa 2023. They were more kind right. of... Yeah, they weren't action figures. Yeah, exactly. And and the, the way that that has changed and the fact that movies are now being made by committee yeah. and basically saying, oh, yeah. well, I tick this box and tick this box and tick this box and tick this box. And sex scenes are one of the ones where they're like, actually, this doesn't really tick any of the boxes and the kids can't watch it either, so let's get rid do of that, it. Do you remember The Eternals? Do you remember I The do. Eternals? That is a sex scene. Does it? No, oh, all right. Yeah. Okay, well, you can complain to this article writer, but I thought it was very interesting. Balls out in it, but they definitely they definitely uh, imply lovemaking on screen. Mm, okay, yeah. well, speaking of implying lovemaking, uh, how's this year been for you? Uh, average. Nice. 
It's it's everything's actually legitimately too expensive though. I am going to complain oh, about that one. Yep. This year compared to last year, way harder to pay for things, even though I'm earning mm-hmm. like very similar amounts of money. Hard agree. I I may be a privileged homeowner in the in the lower middle class, but I'm having to think about what food I'm buying. Oh yeah, for sure. Like even even for myself and Graham, there's two incomes, and I'm still having to be like, all right. Have I earned enough this month to make sure we can keep the lights on? And yeah, exactly. That's not a particularly fun stage to be you at. You know what? Specifically when you have to do it every single month. We should do a deep dive into taxes and... Yes. Uh, and uh, neoliberal capitalism. We should. We should do at least one minute of a, a video <laughs> essay on neoliberal capitalism. It's titled... It's actually mm. bad. And do you know what I also noticed? I was re-watching Margin Call, which I'm not going to review. Okay. But right. 2011 movie. Uh-huh. And it listed, in one of the scenes, Jeremy Irons' character is listing all the times there have been financial or banking collapses. <laughs> and it dawned on me, they just happen. Just all the time. Cyclically. It's constant. Like every yeah. 10, 15, 20 years, it just happens. The upsetting thing is that people were writing about the cyclical nature what? of it. Decades ago. Yep. This was being spoken about ages ago. There's graphs that were predicting like the future of the cycles of collapse and they've been accurate. <laughs> yeah. Still happening. Well, why and why is no one like, oh, hold on a second. If, if we're just gonna repeat this financial crisis oh. every couple of decades, why are we still persisting with this system? Because the people making the decisions are the ones that aren't impacted by the cycle. They're the ones that just that like, is true. at the other end, they can reinvest all the stuff they still have and buy more of the stuff that nobody else has anymore. Mm. Yeah, well, we, sh- we should talk about that more. And actually, you know, if I if I knew what I was talking about, it would last longer than a minute. Maybe, maybe three. There we go. We did it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, seeing as we've wasted enough of everybody's time, shall we actually start the show? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's Seesaw Parade. The last normal one. As you knew it. This is the, the three, final. 323, the last very good number to actually, you know what? You know what? 321 might have been the, the perfect time to end, but 323 three is funnier because it is so wrong. <laughs> I like sure, it. Sure, sure. It's uh, episode 323. Three. It is the last one, as you knew it. And There's still one. We will come into the new year with something fresh, with something new. Same name, yeah. same yeah. people, but a different yeah. thing. So Yes. Merch. In the meantime. We'll do merch. <laughs> In the meantime. That's the difference. Shall we talk about uh, sad news? Oh, hang on. One yeah. more time. Yeah. Well, shall we reactionary talk True. sad news one more also, time? Also, that was yes. a two upbeat. Yeah. Let's let's be sadder. Come on. Sorry. I tried. I really. I, could you hear? I was trying to put on my not happy All right. voice anymore. Any, let's talk about news. It's sad. Hmm. Hmm. That was better. I mean, that was too sad. That felt like it was making a making making a big a big drama out of it. Right. Well, let's go to Gaza, shall we? Mm-hmm. It is uh, Friday, the first of Elon got invited December. He did. We'll talk about that later. So. The headlines are that the truce, which I believe had gone on for eight days, has now officially ended, and we're back to... Sorry, it was a seven-day temporary ceasefire. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yes, bombing has resumed. We had 
both sides blaming each other this morning for the violence restarting. Uh, and in the last okay. week, you had more than 100 hostages released by Hamas in exchange for more than 200 Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails, mm-hmm. many of whom, as the BBC wrote about this morning, have evidence of being abused in various ways inside Israeli prisons. Right. The... Hamas-run health ministry says over 100 people have been killed since this morning. Rockets also fired into Israel from Gaza, and the US have warned Israel today that the massive loss of civilian life seen in northern Gaza should not be repeated in the south. But we will find out, shall we? Since this all started on October 7th, when Hamas attacked Israel mm-hmm. killed 1,200 people, 240 were taken hostage. Yeah. Since then, mm-hmm. the UN's estimates and the uh, health ministry in Gaza's estimates estimate okay. that at least 14,000 people have been killed Whoa. in Israel's retaliatory yeah. campaign, including around about 6,000 children. Okay. So that is where we're at. Right. James. Over to you. Oh, great! Uh, right. Um, well, I, I like the ceasefire. I think everybody knew it was temporary because the whole world made a big deal out of calling it like a, not a ceasefire, even just calling it like a, a pause. Sure, because that's different. Um, so, like coming to an end with any level of drama is not surprising, especially with Israel Hamas. We all know that there's enough idiots in Hamas that eventually one of them is going to be like, "Oh, it's two hours until ceasefire is done. Fire the rockets now." Yeah. You know, so if that's being claimed, I don't. I wouldn't find it hard to believe. If people are claiming that Israel was 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 not quite doing exactly what it promised, I also would not find it hard to believe because they very often have been um, neglecting their ends of promises and bargains and agreements and uh, neglecting to be, you know, uh, a decent uh, member of peace talks and whatever. So that stuff, it was it was it was good to have an end to the uh, mass bombing for a while, and I hope that we have another end to the mass bombing soon and a permanent one. It's it's good to see hostages getting released. Uh, it is a shame, of course, to see that prisoners uh, in the Israeli side were being mistreated. Obviously, we have to hold Israel mm-hmm. to account for its actions, especially as uh, you know a government that is recognized by the rest of the world, unlike Palestine. Um, so all of these things, it's just the same part. The same, we could have we could have just said all of this about a month ago, two months ago, and been it well, not quite two, but you know what I mean. It's barely anything's changing. Yeah, because that's the state of these things, and the same as the Russia Ukraine conflict. Once it once it kicks off, the headlines kind of remain the same, just a little bit repeating themselves over and over again, and then the numbers keep going up. Numbers change. Um, I did see one claim. Um, on British TV by someone representing Israel, either f- either formally working directly for them and now just talking on their behalf, or still actually working for them, um, trying to claim that like they believed that at least fifty percent of the people killed in the in on the Hamas side were terrorists. Wow, which sounds insane to me. Again, that was just one interview on UK media. So the other seven thousand, too bad. Wrong place, wrong time. Well, yeah, exactly. So they're saying 50%. That is good enough. But like 50% is crazy high. There's no way that they've actually killed 50% civilians and 50% terrorists. Yeah, there's no way. Just on that point, the government of Qatar has confirmed the talks to resume ceasefire are still ongoing. I'm sure why the Qataris are the ones who are being the mediators, but they are. Well, isn't don't don't aren't the leaders of Hamas holed up in in Qatar? Oh, are there? Oh, all right. 
I believe I believe the actual leadership is is just chills in Qatar. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, the U.S. as I mentioned a second ago, the Secretary of State for the U.S. Antony Blinken warned Israel any resumption of military operations in Gaza needed to be different. Yeah. And to do that, they would need to clearly and precisely designate areas where civilians would be out of harm's way. And then this morning, yep. Israeli jets dropped leaflets over the city of ah. Khan Yunus, mm-hmm. which included a new map of the Gaza Strip broken down into hundreds of separate blocks with numbers on them and essentially was like, right. get to one of these numbers. And... That sounds way too much like Battle Royale to be comfortable with doing. <laughs> like, it, it ended with the words, you've been warned. It's like doing the bare minimum, but it's the same thing. I see a lot of people, the conversation goes like, oh, well, Israel are being reasonable. They're doing the same stuff that like the United States did in Iraq. Um, they're doing the same thing that the United States did in Afghanistan. They're like, yeah. they, before they target any civilian area, they're sending missiles that are knockers and that don't actually kill anybody, but sometimes do. Um, and that's like good enough. That's a warning. So long as we give the civilians adequate warning, we can bomb them just like the U.S. did. Isn't that right? And it's like, no. Mm-hmm. What the U.S. did in all these other countries and what the U.K. did in all these other countries was also terrible. It doesn't matter that Israel are trying to emulate our like the, the apparently good strategies that we had to minimize civilian casualties. They weren't minimized enough. They weren't minimized enough in those conflicts and they are Definitely not minimized enough in this conflict. Do you? They're doing the bare minimum. Do you think that there has been any sort of, from global leaders, any sort of repositioning uh, against or towards Israel? This is the first time, for example, I've seen the US warn Israel about their conduct, which, well, I mean, sure, it's, it's hardly beyond, oh, just be careful, but it's still something. Well, no, it was surprising early on that Biden was saying things like, be careful. I was surprised by that. I, I didn't think that Biden would have the confidence in his, I don't know, position to feel like he could tell Israel to be a bit more cautious. They did that pretty early on um, and they're doing it again now. So it's, it's, it, it does feel like a bit of a, um, a surprise in a sense. Um, but there's definitely been a general shift in the response globally from leaders. There are more countries who are saying... Yeah. You know, hey, Israel, don't do war crimes. There are countries that are saying Israel are doing war crimes, you know, whereas previously I don't think we heard quite as much of that. Um, like, obviously, like Erdogan in Turkey has been saying it. That's not too shocking. He's He just wants, he just says what he wants. Um, but Israel are, Israel are, are withdrawing um, their embassies here and there. I think they just, they just did it from Spain. They withdrew yeah. their ambassador to Spain or something. Um, so there is a there is a shift, and hopefully it will make them reconsider their uh, strategies, uh, because they proved themselves capable of not killing a bunch of civilians every now and then. They are doing uh, more work on the ground rather than just indiscriminate bombing from the skies, and it does put their own soldiers at risk. Obviously, it co- it might cost them more of their their lives to get these uh, more risky strategies done, but. Um, they are proving that they can do things that are less indiscriminate. And so they keep doing that. And it's still not good enough. It's still, like, obviously, so long as these things are ongoing and people are just dying unnecessarily, it's not good enough and we should keep pushing for better and better. Sure. But they've proved that they can. So if they go back to just, like, trying to level blocks of of any city, of any urban or any, mm-hmm. even, even a rural spot, you know, if they, if they go back to that strategy, terrible. We've also seen, to make this... Well, I don't know, somewhat 
back to the UK and the US, a lot of protests. Okay, yeah. Huge amount of protests. Yes. We had up, up yes. to 100,000 people marching in London. And this was a few weeks ago now. Suella Braverman, who's now gone. She Bye. is gone, finally. Man. Yeah. She, True. In, in advance of this protest, was saying... She'll be back. The police, their response to these lefties has been pathetic. Whereas yeah, she was riling things up. Whereas any time the far right come out to protest, the police are, are on it. So, yeah, th- things are not going to go well this weekend. And, of course, the only or the vast majority of the arrests that took place on the weekend of that protest in London were people from the far right. And then on Monday morning, she would have been sacked. And then she came out and was very mad at Rishi for breaking promises. But we, uh, we'll maybe talk about that. However, there have been yeah. a lot of protests. There continues to be protests. There's one in Glasgow today, for example. So uh-huh. it, it seems to me like whilst these issues do fatigue people after a while, I mean, I don't remember the last protest or, or gathering I saw in support of Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These things do hit you eventually, but there's still clearly enough of a groundswell, whether it's here, whether it's in the States. People were protesting outside the Rockefeller tree being erected the other day that people are going to be noticing, people in government are going to be noticing that there's a lot of these protests and the vast majority have been pro-Palestine protests rather than pro-Israeli protests. There have been some, but they've been outnumbered by pro-Palestine ones. Yes. the In, in general, uh, as far as Western protests are going, there has been more of a support for the cessation of the mass bombings of Palestine and things like that. There's been very loud protests around, you know, treating Palestinians like humans, for example. There have been protests based around, you know, being anti, uh, anti-anti-Semitic, anti right. for example. There was a big march against anti-Semitism. Oddly enough, there was some footage um, sent out from that march of people within that march being anti-Semitic towards some counter-protesters who were Orthodox Jews. But, you know, um, that's what happens when you see right-wingers marching for things. Um, Like, it's obviously very important that we don't... um, start accidentally calling for like the mass punishment of of Israel as well you know in turn this is protests against the Israeli leadership right. it's protest against the Israeli military infrastructure it's protest against the mass bombings but it's not protest against the people of Israel sure. it's not protest against Jews which is what a lot of people seem to think it is and to be fair there has been an insane rise in anti-semitism as well across Europe across America yep uh, so it's very easy for these things to all be painted by a very wide media brush as anti-Jewish. Okay, well, I, there's a couple of points I want to make. First one, as we have talked about on this show for years now, any time there was conflict in this part of the world, the media coverage by and large was wholeheartedly pro-Israel. And that yeah. has still kind of been the case. It has been more nuanced Mostly, yeah. th- this time round. But it and they've been getting in trouble a bit more for being inaccurate. Yeah, and sometimes. people have picked up on some of the language and the coverage. Yeah, it still leans heavily in favor of Israel. Yeah, yeah, Israeli is Israeli children are killed and Palestinian yep. teenagers die. That's one of the big ones that has been a pattern. So there's there's that which I I completely take your point. Yes, you're you're right. There have been a rise in those types of attacks as we saw around the time of COVID, where a rise in well, anti. Chinese sentiment and rhetoric and attacks. Yeah, anti-Asian. That went up too. General, yeah. So yeah, th- these these things. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like they're happening in a vacuum. It's insane. But people. the other point I would make is, and we talked about this briefly last time, which is the 
unnecessarily complicated relationships we see between countries around the world. Because as even if you look at the UN's <laughs> figures, <laughs> yeah. which are lower than the Hamas-run health ministry's figures, as the amount of civilians who have been killed, you're still talking thousands and thousands of children. Thousands, yeah, yeah, yeah. The scale yeah, yeah, yeah. of this yeah. is... In terms of, I mean, whether it's population or it's per capita or it's the amount of space that's been taken up or, or the, the invasion, the amount of space it's covering. If you look at, for example, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it's estimated about 10,000 civilians have been killed. That's still far too high. Yeah. But that's happened over the space of, what, 18 months, nearly two years and the yeah. the size, the landmass, the spread across which that's happened is vast compared to what we're seeing in Palestine. An ounce of the space and per capita, the amount of deaths are through the roof and even cumulatively taking the most yeah, yeah. conservative of figures, it still outweighs the amount of Ukrainian civilian deaths. Yeah. My point is, and we talked about this last time, I want to revisit it. We okay. are openly talking about, and countries will openly talk about the war crimes taking place in Russia at the hands of Russian yeah. soldiers, Russian government at the head, and it stops with Putin. But the same language is not attributed to yeah. Israel. Which is a shortcoming of anyone who's reporting, basically. Right. But that, to me, is a sign of, as I mentioned at the start, these geopolitical relationships where actually oh, yeah. the US are not going to be like, hey, Israel, you're kind of doing war crimes over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say there's a genocide going on. But we're not going to say that because yeah. we actually need you in the Middle East. You are the attack dog. as Or as I saw in a Joe Biden quote from a few decades ago, if the US didn't have Israel, we would need to invent an Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because having that ally, having that country in that space right next to what Iran yeah. and Syria and all its neighbours strategically so important so to yeah, me yeah, yeah. it's very much like the US and the UK and all all of Israel's other allies they look at what's going on they're like mm, yeah not great to be killing thousands of children but we ain't going to say anything but if it's Russia do it it's a price that we're willing to pay sure if Russia do it it's different yeah why and i mean i've, I've answered my own question i know yeah, why your question but was that's so answer, yeah Morally bankrupt. Well, it is. I've seen some of our media trying to push our politicians to to answer that type of question. So there is a slight divide between the media and the politicians in this case. Um, the politicians, especially from the Conservative Party, but even Labour Party for the most part, um, are very reluctant, as you're saying, to call a, a war crime a war crime. Or to call what anything that Israel is doing a war crime, um, but there has been some media in their interviews with these politicians trying to push them to answer that. What is the difference here between these war crimes and the Russian ones? Which I think Starmer was asked specifically, why was he so willing to call the Russian ones a war crime? Yep. Uh, like on day one, whereas he still is hesitant to. And he, like obviously, none of them are answering, but they are getting asked. It's not just like this rare thought that only some of us randoms on the internet are thinking. Okay. Um, I, I do I do I do think though that yeah there's like when we're talking about like geopolitical shifts it's not huge it's not like like any country's coming out that we used to be pro Israel and is now like 
hey now, I don't like you. <laughs> We're not friends. They're all going like, oh, please be more careful. Stop maybe doing maybe war crimes, kind of a little bit, but not really war okay. crimes, just maybe war crimes. Anything you would add as to the political side of things in the know. UK? I know in, in the Scottish Parliament, for example, there was a vote to, I mean, it's a symbolic vote to yes. call for a ceasefire. And Scottish Labour yeah. voted for it. I don't think the Conservatives did. And obviously the SNP did. But you then compare it to what happened in the UK Parliament in Westminster. Same vote was held and Labour basically voted with the Tories. There were a few rebels, like 60 in total. Yeah. And Sir Keir was like, no, nah, I'm not really calling for a ceasefire. Yeah. And so that difference to me, once again, is, again, a different topic, but it highlights the difference between the UK Labour Party's position yeah. and the Scottish Labour Party's position, which was very much like, no, we need to cease well, fire. Yeah, there is this divide. Yeah. But again, sorry, sorry, this idea that the Scottish Parliament votes for a ceasefire and then people in, in Israel and Palestine are like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. The First Minister of Scotland wants a cease, they voted. Oh, well, we better just stop now, drop your guns. Oh, gonna have to do it now. Uh, yeah, they, but even the UK government one would have been absolutely just symbolic. It's just. Uh, it's it's a bunch of people posing, and like some of them are posing in a in a way that is virtue signaling towards one crowd. Some of them are posing in a way that is virtue signaling towards a different crowd. However, when you're virtue signaling, some virtues are better than others. So if you're signaling for the better virtues, I'm I'm gonna give you a bit more of a thumbs up than the people who are signaling for the lazier or worse ones. Okay. Um, but ultimately, it's not too important. Is, is there anything you would say, sorry, about the political aspect of this? I think what we're see- I think we're seeing a weakened labor response in a lot of a lot of ways. Their job is to be the opposition, and unsurprisingly, Kier is not really opposing much. Um, at least not actively. He usually opposes things once the headline is settled. He'll be like, ah. The Prime Minister failed. The story is done and the Prime Minister failed. But he's never like preempting anything. So that's what he's doing this time. He's not like preempting any failures of the government to do anything. He's not preempting anything. He's just kind of sitting here, generally trying not to say anything that's going to make anybody too angry. Um, But we're definitely seeing that the same old alliances is what matters. It's like to the government, to. to to even the opposition, they kind of just want to care about the established things they care about. They don't want to care about something new. Okay, shall we park that? I am sure that one of our future recordings can talk about conflict again. Let's park. I'm sure they will. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about migrants. Yay! Oh right, yes, those people who are really treated just as they deserve. Yes, mm. indeed. Mm. So. This is the news that the High Court, sorry, I booped my microphone. This is the news that the High Court in the UK upheld right. the initial ruling, which made the Conservative slash UK government's policy of sending asylum seekers, sorry, deporting asylum seekers to Rwanda. Yeah. They uh, upheld that and said, yep, it's illegal. So five judges yeah. unanimously agreed that there was a real risk yep. of these refugees then being sent back wrongly assessed to their country of origin to face persecution or perhaps even death. And this then, of course, undermined one of the Prime Minister's key pledges to stop the boats. Uh And he then was very angry and said, well, if the High Court said we can't do it, we're going to make a law that says we can. Yes. And that's what's currently 
happening, apparently. And the well, they're reason, going to try to force through a change to the laws, yeah. Yeah, and the reason for all of this was a story came out to say that actually the number of people or the <laughs> yeah. net migration in the UK, which is the number of people coming in versus the number of people coming out, hit a record in 2022, which was 745,000 yep. people, just shy of three quarters of a million. Yep. That's much higher than originally thought. And hilariously... If you look at net migration pre-Brexit, yes. it's about 100,000. It's about 150,000 mm-hmm. at its peak. Mm-hmm. And at that point, David Cameron with Davy C, who's back in government, by the way. Uh, anyway. Oh, he is back. True. Yeah, we'll talk about that. He was like, hold on a second. This migration, it's out of control. It's way too high. And here we are. It is now at 750,000, which I think is very, very funny. Because of the whole goal of Brexit. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big number. To be fair, that's a large number. However, uh, I, I want to talk about the the fact. I'll start this actually because I do have a point of view, rather than just steering the conversation. <laughs> I find this so funny because okay. this is the Home Office's. This is the policy mm-hmm. that the UK government set out. They're railing against this. Conservatives railing against this, being like, "Oh, this number's too high." You've been in government for thirteen years. Yeah. You can't just blame Labour for this one. This is on you. Yep. And also, yep. the key thing that people seemingly just get wrong all the time, they look to this number, they're like, wow, that's a huge amount of people coming through on the boats. No. Yep. That is the amount of people legally yeah. coming into the UK. And if you look at the actual stats, the vast majority were coming in either to work for the NHS or yep. social care yep. or... To study. Yeah. More than seven in ten were one of those three, which is you've been given a work visa because the NHS has a hundred thousand plus vacancies and we need to fill them and Brits won't do the job and Brits aren't qualified to do the job. So you know what? Yeah. In you come. And so we were giving, the Home Office was giving visas which they to should. people to fill those jobs. Which is good. Studying. As if you live in Glasgow, you'll know we have a huge amount of Chinese students who come to Glasgow Uni, pay extortionate fees that the uni will gleefully accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the Home Office, of course, stamps that because we like money. Free money, yeah, yeah. And if you look at the stats, the amount of people coming in claiming asylum, yes. not just on boats, but, you know, people who have family here and they or they speak English and they come and live here, less than one in ten. One in ten of them claiming asylum. Yeah. The vast majority have been given actual visas to come into the country because we need them. We need the workers because our population we We're is collapsing aging. Without them. And if I were my dad, as I'm sure I've said before, I'll rephrase, if I were my dad, well, uh, right. my dad okay. at 32 had had five children. Uh, oh, Just absolutely wow. insane, by the way. Oh, yeah, uh, true. I, meanwhile... Have none. I've got a cat. And imagine, James, the same would be true for you. Well, and so unless I've done a Boris. All of these factors, yeah, all of these factors combined means that this is a very funny story. It, well, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking and funny, yeah. I, 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 I look forward to our Prime Minister continuing to well, bash away at this without success. I don't it's know, though. very funny to watch. Because it is, it's, it's, it is annoying that they're taking the number of like legal migrants who are propping our country up um, mm-hmm. and they're using that as like a 
tool to punish asylum seekers who need us. Correct. Um, and who deserve a good place that welcomes them and supports them and invests in them to make them a person who, you know, is an important part of the nation. Because as we've discussed, um, people who migrate to the UK are far more likely to end up actually being taxpayers in surplus than taxpayers who who just mm-hmm. drain the system. Like me, um, I'm a drain on the system still. I'm. You might still be a drain on the system technically. Depends. I don't know. Probably. There's a certain bracket of tax where you start actually being a surplus, and it's pretty high. And every single one of these people, if we just invested in it, in them enough individually, gave them the housing, education, opportunities that they deserve, it would be it would be just a free boon for the country. Eventually, they'd pay all that back easily, and it would become just a free bonus for us. So. It's sad to see the Tory government using the the asylum seekers as a tool to stoke the fears of a bunch of people who are being brought into a racist mindset or an exclusionary mindset. And then in turn, they're using the, the, the migration, the legal migration as a tool to wield against the asylum seekers to get them the support they need to make random new laws to punish people harder. Um, and one of the bigger sad things is that the likes of Keir Starmer in the opposition is not opposing these things. Starmer isn't opposing, hey, you know, you're wielding the numbers of migration to punish uh, mm-hmm. people who are innocent. Or, hey, you're wielding uh, the numbers of uh, asylum seekers who desperately need us to to stoke up hatred. Keir Starmer's opposition is, you're not doing a good enough job of reducing migration, which just contributes to the problem. <laughs> So it's like, yes, it's funny. And it's funny watching them all shoot themselves in the foot with like their idiot idiot opinions and their idiot plans. Yeah. But at the same time, Fair. our government is doing bad things and the opposition is saying, do bad things better. Yeah. Uh, as we've talked about, I'm sure there may well be a future episode of this. The Labour Party's position is yeah. indistinguishable yeah. from the Conservatives. Mm-hmm. And that's very sad. Yeah. For various reasons. Okay. Let's move on and talk about one more thing before we move on to slightly lighter things. And this is COP28. Yeah, my favourite polis. Hooray! So, a couple of years since COP was in Glasgow. This time it's in the United Arab Emirates. And the first place to start (laughs) is a few days ago, just before this event kicked off, an investigation found that the host nation themselves, the UAE, planned to use its role as an opportunity to make oil and gas deals. You're telling me that the UAE would have, like, alternate motivations for doing a thing? Shocking. I know. Anyway. Crazy. Leaked documents revealed uh, plans to discuss these deals with 15 nations. Uh, mm-hmm. The UAE team did not deny using these meetings for business talks and said that private meetings were private, uh-huh. declined to comment on what was discussed, yeah. and said its work had been focused on meaningful climate action. Man, oh man, I hate I hate it. I hate it so much. It's dreadful. It actually reminds me, I've been getting adverts, I've been getting adverts from BP talking about how, like, we're still investing in oil and gas, however, we're really doing a good job of green energy also and saving the planet also, but we are investing in oil and gas. You can trust us. Yeah, it's like, hi, we're ExxonMobil, <laughs> we're going to double our production of diesel, but it's a good thing. Don't know why. It's good. Sorry. It's good for the shareholders. We'll make lots of money. 
no, it's all it's it's seriously. This is the stuff. This is one of the stories that I can't. We can't just keep talking about this forever. It's, we will though. There's there's the, literally nothing we can do. We will. There's nothing we can do. But this is why we're gonna. This is one of the reasons we're changing the format of the show. Is that every time we we every month that passes, we get one month closer to things being bad and terrible and done. And it turns out that all the people in charge are just making things worse instead of better. Every single time, they're just making it worse. Yep. And then saying, oh, we're, t- we're trying. <laughs> You're not. Yeah, so the, the documents f- found that the CEO of the UAE's giant state oil company, Adnoc, who also happened to be the COP president, <laughs> Dr. Sultan Al-Jaber, so yeah, cop president and also CEO of the biggest oil company in the country. Uh, oh, and also CEO of the state renewables business too. This is so and uh, basically, yeah, these documents had briefing notes for Dr. Jaber. Yes. Okay. And uh, with more than two dozen countries, the documents also contained talking points oh. which pertained to oil and gas. Yeah. And like, of course they are. All of these countries, of course they are. Everybody who, like even the United States and even the UK, we are all wanting to use every single ounce of oil or whatever measurement of gas because it needs to make the money. And we're desperately, at least, sorry, the smarter countries, and by smarter, I mean the ones that are being more savvy about their monetary future rather than the the world actually surviving. Uh They're trying to reinvest that into other industries. So whether that's like trying to make themselves a home for tourism globally or whether it's like trying to become the best, you know, sports uh, or whether it's uh, renewables, the smart countries are doing that. The UK kind of isn't. The UK is not reinvesting it. It's just giving all the money to some random companies so that their, their shareholders can get rich. But of course, the countries that are like, right now fully dependent on oil and gas to exist and to have money they're they're trying to get everything they can out of it to reinvest it and have a continuing country going forward it makes sense that they're doing it if you don't consider the impact on the globe and that it's just going to kill everybody (laughs) and speaking of impact on the globe it is now virtually certain that 2023 A year of heat waves, of floods Uh and fires, Mm. normal will be the warmest year on record. Yes, until next year. Yes, indeed, exceptionally high October temperatures. They were nearly half a degree warmer than the previous high, which scientists say was driven by carbon emissions and El Nino. Fifth month in a row of record warmth. Yes. And these extreme global temperatures will likely continue into 2024. Yeah, we've got the whole El Nino, El Nino thing going on. We were in the time period where things are supposed to be on a plateau and we were getting warmer anyway. And now we're in the time period where things are supposed to be getting warmer. So, of course, we're going to get warmer. Although King Charles, he, he said something at COP today. Which oh boy yeah I'm sh- sure really made Thank them. Thank you. I bet he saved the day. Qu- quake in their boots. I think he was like, "We're way behind schedule." I'm see if I can find it. It wasn't a particularly strong <laughs> line, but he was very much like, "Oh, come come on, come on, people, we we need to we need to do something." In fact, yeah, here's no, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, he, here's the quote. He said, uh, "The planet oh, yeah. is undergoing a frightening experiment," mm. and uh, said, "The Earth does not belong to us." taking the natural world outside its balanced norms and limits. And uh, our survivability will be imperiled. Great. Right. Great stuff, Charlie. Imperiled, yes. At some point, at some point, bad things may happen. The world is 
going through a moment of experimentation. <laughs> it, so no, weird. actually, it's even little things like our survivability will be imperiled. It is. We are. We are. No, but, <laughs> no, but it's just a. Why, why are you saying it like that? Well, Scotty uses big kingly words that he read in the thesaurus. You know. Sorry that somebody read to him from the thesaurus. Yeah. Do you know my thesaurus got stolen the other day? I was very oh. sad. Not only was I sad, <laughs> no, I was also very sad. That wasn't even that wasn't even the punchline. I don't appreciate that at all. At least if you're going to commit that to a the, bad... That is the punchline. No. It's yeah, it's that. It's totally that. Oh, I got it. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, COP28 as Greta Thunberg so eloquently put it, blah blah blah. I mean, no, yeah, I saw that. Same again. I got, she, yeah. she said that a few years ago. She did. The people were complaining about that again right now. Did she see the blah, blah, blah line again? Or were people in the right wing complaining about the same old video? Uh, she, she may well yeah, have gone yeah, back. Yeah. It's one of our greatest hits. I, saw, I, think, I, saw, I think I saw Ben Shapiro but, making fun of that one. Yeah. But, but maybe people were reliving Ben Shapiro making fun of that one and, and they were sharing like an old Ben Shapiro take of one of his classics where he right. made fun of her saying blah, blah, blah. Oh, boy. Uh, shall we move on? Talk about some lighter things and also Henry Kissinger being there. <laughs> we could start there. It's one of the best pieces of news of the year, yeah. Shall we? You know what? Yeah, right. You know so, what? But this was... Forget about all the burnout and wanting to make an actual meaningful content. This podcast has hit its peak because Kissinger is dead. That is actually right. a, a podcast ending headline. Okay. So, this is the news of your... Uh, unaware who or what we're talking about, that Henry Kissinger, war criminal beloved by Americans. Yes. Uh, sorry, that's unfair. The American by America's elite. ruling class. Yeah, did you read, yes, did you read uh, Rolling Stone also? Yeah, he, so he died. And this, what, he was 100? He was, he was. Sucks, man. Why do all the worst people live? <laughs> Kissinger, essentially, he killed on a scale. Yeah, yeah unsurpassed i would say by a single person for example hmm. the uh, historian greg grandin at U yale university the author of kissinger's biography estimates okay. that between 1969 to 1976 kissinger's actions when he was uh, essentially the national security advisor and secretary of state meant the deaths of between three and four million people yeah which includes crimes of commission for example, the actions that he ordered in Cambodia and Chile, and acts of omission. Yeah. Like in Indonesia and East Timor, in Bangladesh, and the inauguration of the American tradition of using and then abandoning Kurds, or the Kurds, I should say. Right. And, sorry, just to summarize before I pass over to you, to borrow a quote from the late chef Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, okay, yeah which has been doing the rounds. You may have seen this. Mm -hmm. This is the quote. Once you've been to Cambodia, you will never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. Yep. You'll never again be able to open a newspaper and read about that treacherous, prevaricating, murderous scumbag yep. attending some black tie affair for a new glossy magazine without choking. Witness what Henry did in Cambodia and you will never understand why he's not sitting in the dock at The Hague next to Milosevic. Yeah. James. Yeah. Now... I think you did say one thing that was wrong, and you're trying to say that he he is he he is a he like he's responsible for the most kills, like the, his kill death ratio is the highest it's pretty ever high. achieved. I'm pretty sure other people have achieved higher, 
um, it's probably the highest that an, of an American? American has achieved. Yeah, because he worked on. Un- yeah, that's that's sorry. That's yeah, that's where I'm okay, going wrong. Because he worked under several presidents, and each of them could get their own like subset of that kill count. But he's got quite a lot of them combined. Yeah, he does. So yeah. Yeah, I think of Americans, he's probably killed the most. Uh, but you know, like Hitler existed. Uh, so why then did we see such gushing articles about him? And then comparing oh, and to no, yeah, some of the American. other articles, which are perhaps less enthusiastic. Well, it's because he is. He's, he represents the, the ruling class of America. And and because he represents that, he also then represents the ruling class of the, you know Europe, of the, of the, in quotes, Western world. He represents these people making these decisions to, to shift the, 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 the scale of death globally. Just for the sake of power, and that's maybe yeah. It's for me the total death count huge matters a whole lot. But Kissinger didn't even do it because he thought it was the right thing to do. He was doing those like the, the, the some of the things, the decisions he was making. He was just making them for power. Yeah, he he stalled peace talks because it gave uh, them a better stance in the next election. You know. He destabilized countries because it made it gave him more influence in his own, and and obviously that's true for many other people. He's not the only person ever who has killed a bunch of people for selfish reasons. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's crazy to me that he like he's getting as you're saying the praise that he's getting because he he, he you can't even say like oh well he did it all but he had good motivations he uh, just and, did it all for selfishness. People would praise him and people have praised him the last couple of days people for his do. his ruthlessness. For the fact that he was able oh, to, to get the job done, he prioritised American well, interests, often at all costs. Yeah, not even American lives, just American interests. And the, and the press, certainly at the time, and a lot of the people, the, the articles I've been seeing, they've totally lionised him as some sort of cold-blooded genius, which yeah. is so wrong on many levels. Have you ever heard of the podcast uh, Behind the Bastards? I have not, until now. It's okay, so it's a very well-made podcast that largely just tries to explain people, bad people, and talks about what they've done, maybe why, just summarize their entire history. Usually a a person gets an episode. Like, I think Jeff Bezos got an episode. He's a bit of a bastard, you know? Um, And then sometimes really bad people get like two episodes, maybe three episodes if they've done so many bad things and killed so many people that it takes a long time to summarize. Um, Kissinger got six episodes. (laughs) Wow. Like obviously imbalanced because he's like an American. So talking about him, there's so much more documented history. Yeah, of course. There's so much to unpack. There's so much to tell people that doesn't get talked about. Whereas like somebody like Hitler, we all know what he did. We all learned that in school. Kissinger, nobody knows that one. We don't get taught that, so there's more to unpack. But it's just, it's just an example of how bad he was compared to other bad people, like no, no other Americans getting talked about that much. So, so honestly, like, of all the we've talked about it a few times, somebody dies, and we're like, oh boy, it's really hard not to celebrate this death, mm-hmm. you know? When Thatcher died, it's like, ah, oh, well, I'm not sad at all, and in fact, I'm quite happy she's dead. Mm-hmm. I'm not dancing, and some people did dance, and I'm not going to judge them. Mm-hmm. Um, when billionaires die, I'm like, ah, well, I'm not sad. I'm pretty happy because like the harm that they're causing the world is 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 gone now. Kissinger is the most difficult person to not be celebrating the death of. Yeah, like that's fair. Literally, an evil person dying. It is a good thing. 
yeah, just on that point to highlight some further facts going back to Cambodia. In February 1969, and lasting for the next 13 months, US warplanes on Kissinger's orders secretly dropped 110,000 tonnes worth of bombs on Cambodia. And by the summer of 69, Kissinger was personally selecting bombing targets. Yes, so he insisted that he got the say on what missions got approved. Yeah. All missions that got approved went through him. And this is one of the things of the like the directly responsible. He wasn't giving orders to people who gave orders to people who gave orders. He was saying what to do and it happened. And also, sorry, Cambodia was a neutral country. Yeah. Meaning that bombing it was totally illegal under the United Nations Charter. Which, by the way, bombing neutral countries was an established thing that America already did before Kissinger. It wasn't mm. like he invented that, but he did start, he did get involved very early on in the process. Yeah, all right. Uh, but no, it's, it's disgusting. Like, I think it was the, I think it was the Vietnamese peace talks. He sabotaged those to try and make the war last a bit longer so that I'm pretty sure Nixon would have a better standing in elections. Sounds about right. That kind of a thing. Um, and then, like, if you look at the like the involvement of America, uh, of the United States of America in um, in South America as well, it's destabilizing countries because maybe there's communists taking over. So let's instead just install a bunch of fascists, do a bunch of coups. That was all. That was all stuff under Kissinger as well, under his like reign as advisor to several people. Okay, let's talk about something which has just happened. And you can stop dancing about Kissinger dying right now. Yeah, well, we can like, resume your dancing once we finish talking about other things for sure. So, members of the House of Representatives in the states have voted 311 to 114 to remove New York Republican George Santos. This was sparked. This vote happened after Santos was charged with multiple crimes, which led to colleagues declaring him unfit to serve, and also. Uh, an ethics committee report which claimed that Santos had used campaign money on Botox, yep. OnlyFans, designer fashion, and uh, personal purchases. Uh, yeah, personal so purchases. that is it. He is gone. Yes. Well. Third strike and he's out. Cause there was two votes beforehand which were unsuccessful. <laughs> I think the only difference this time was the ethics committee report and also the criminal charges. <laughs> So they had to work so hard to get rid of him. It's such a really bad did. sign for the health of the American system that it was that it took so much effort to get rid of this guy. Okay, well, it seemed like in the end, enough Republicans were happy to be rid of him. Yeah. Even if, yeah, it seems like, um, just skim reading this, the party's leadership, perhaps fearing the precedent it might set, <laughs> uh, opted not <laughs> yeah. to support the removal. It's such a shame. It's such a shame that they're so worried about themselves that they're not willing to get rid of somebody worse than themselves. I think we're saying worse in terms of public perception. Yeah, so whilst he's uh, lost his ability to vote on legislation immediately, yes, uh, he will have his nameplate removed from his office. He can, though, still access the gym uh, uh, yeah. library and some uh-huh. other buildings in the capital. I hope he enjoys awfully them. awfully odd, but there we go. I mean, it's uh, like it's what it is. Like I don't care about him. He's an idiot, and he, the sooner he's gone, the he better. Is. He needed to be out ages ago. A fraudster. He's a horrible person. But it is for me. It's, just, it's as I said. It's just a terrible indicator of America, of the United States uh, of America. I keep saying America. I'm going to try to stop saying that. The United States. It's a. Okay. It's just. It's a. It, it's a sign that. 
the Republicans, horrible. They've got no standards. We knew that. They've had Trump for a while. They've got no standards and they haven't changed. Mm -hmm. They haven't corrected themselves. And that nothing can be done to stop them. Okay. Well, talking of unstoppable things, I have a lot of stuff to review. Oh. And I've got three movies and two TV shows. That's a lot. So what do you want to hear first? Uh, movie. One of them. Okay, we're going to start with Killers of the Flower Moon, which is the new Martin Scorsese epic, which stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone in the main roles. And talking of terrible things, it tells the true story of how in the early 20th century, there were a huge amount of murders of Native Americans from the Osage Nation. Mm -hmm. And this movie tells that story of just just the worst people doing the worst kind of thing. So yeah. this, I don't believe, is showing in cinemas anymore, but it was. Right. Yeah, It's now on Apple TV. Okay, yeah. And yeah, based on this true story of indigenous people in the in Oklahoma in the 20s and 30s. By the way, this this these indigenous people, they were on land which had lots of oil and lots of money. Oh, a surprise. Which they were inheriting. So wow. the yeah. instant downside here, just for those who think this story might be right up their street, this movie is three and a half hours long. It's a serious one, yeah. So I arrived at 11 and left the cinema near enough at three o'clock. So wow, yeah. for streaming... Totally fine, because you can stop and start. Yeah. In a movie theater, that is a long time to be sat. So if you are ever seeing this on a big screen in one, one sitting, which sometimes they bring these movies back, have coffee, be well rested, because I was fighting with my eyelids. Right. Like, so, yeah, I feel like I feel like that's when you just do an intermission. I, I've I've had intermissions in shorter films. Well, actually sometimes. As I'm about to tell you, I don't think this movie needed to be anywhere near as long. Well, yeah, like that's another solution. Just you know, good editing. <laughs> yeah. As you'd expect, though, filmmaking in this movie, Mr. Scorsese, a master of his craft. And whilst this is not his best movie, it does tick every box. I'm convinced it will get all the Oscar nominations. Maybe not win, but we'll get a lot of nods. In particular, the three leads there, DiCaprio, De Niro, and Gladstone, who plays DiCaprio's wife, Molly, all will get nods. I'm convinced of that. But more than anything, as we've talked about and hinted at throughout the discussion of sad terrible things that have happened in the world this film made me so angry and so just sad yeah as it should for the osage people who lived through these countless murders that the authorities were just turning a blind eye to they're pretending like they weren't happening and yeah the thing that made it even worse was that as the film depicts the people who were doing these heartless things wholeheartedly believed they were doing the right thing. Yeah, well, yeah. Very much like, yep, yep, it had to be done. You know, it's not their money anymore, it's ours. Because we're right. And we're right. Yeah, less the right thing and more what they thought they deserved. Yeah. So I'm going to avoid going into yeah, much like more detail. Winston Churchill levels of logic. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll avoid going into any further detail. But all I'll say in summary is if you're not going to watch this movie, read about it. It's such an important story. And it definitely could have been given a theatrical cut because it was way too long. And also the movie ends with a, a quite inexplicable cameo that I can't really explain. But <laughs> that, that aside, good movie. 
as you'd expect from a group of insanely talented people. Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon. All right. Right. Have you watched anything before I power on? My 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 potential review list is still a magnificent. Right. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to power through mine, and then I'm going to hand over to you, all right? Sure. Okay, next. The Flash. Wow. Yeah. Which is the DC movie. <laughs> you watched Maybe it. the final one off that original DC universe from 2022. And turns out, by the way. Wow. Also one of the biggest box office bombs of all time, which I didn't know. Wow. Projected a $200 million loss for Warner Brothers. So this is Ezra Miller... As the Flash, Michael Keaton back as the old Batman in a different universe. And if you saw the trailer, kind of saw the movie, tells the story of how Barry messes up the timeline because he wants to see his mum and then all sorts of terrible things happen. So this movie is not the worst, but it's not very good either. Uh, Strengths are mainly cast... The VFX. You can't say the strength is the cast on it when Ezra Miller is involved. Yeah, it's not allowed right now. Right. So, so well, hold on, hold on. Right. Basing my view simply on the performance. Yeah, exactly. They're a good fit for the character. If we're talking about Ezra Miller as a person, yeah, yeah. No. So nice to see Michael Keaton back in the superhero genre, even if he doesn't get a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's okay, Supergirls yeah. in this rather than Superman or Superwoman, I should say. Doesn't get a lot to do other than have laser eyes and fight some baddies. Did you, did you enjoy the the big uh, CGI at the end, like the collide the kaleidoscope of <laughs> no like, pre two thousands CG assets? Uh, no, I did not. I did say the yeah. VFX was good, but I forgot about that last bit. Yeah, um, I think the VFX was good till they ran out of time <laughs> and clearly uh, which, money. And then they decided that the film was done instead of going like, "Oh, maybe we should finish this." <laughs> not on the VFX people. That is on the that is on production. True. Main issue I have with this movie is the dialogue, which is cliched and jokes that felt they were written by a team of writers who then had to redraft everything. So, for example, early in the movie, young Flash struggling with a math problem. And he's really having a tough time. And then his mother turns to him and says, son, mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to let it go. Mm. <laughs> I thought, what mother turns to their son who's having a, his difficulties with maths and says, son, yeah. sometimes you got to let these things go. And lo and behold, that quote came in so handy in the, th- in the final act. Did it, it mattered later? Wow. Yeah. That was uh, earned. <laughs> they, they deserved that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loads of like daft slapstick, just stupid humor that wasn't funny, uh, rolled my eyes, very rarely have anything got a smile. Marketing, I'm sure, for this movie was all over the place, had such a troubled path to actually get this movie made. Ezra Miller's PR will have hurt the film's prospects. So Wait. yeah, not surprised that I watched this on a flight. Hang on. On, a, on the back of someone's seat. Isn't Aquaman still coming out? Yeah, the second one, yeah. Or the third one. Second one? Second one. Okay. It's coming out in like two weeks, yeah. Yeah. So actually, I was wrong. There is one more movie right, okay. in this universe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everybody who paused the episode to, to email Colin how wrong he was, you're welcome. I made that irrelevant. Final movie, I'm going to make this short. Usual Suspects from 1993. All right, I've watched that, Which is the cult classic, which I've never seen. Okay. Which is on Amazon Prime. Are you just which... watching films featuring problematic people? Is that your thing right I now? certainly was. So Kevin Spacey, of course, is the, is the main guy. <laughs> In this, uh, and also it's directed by Brian Singer, but we don't talk about him either. So <laughs> that's a double whammy. Yeah, but also has Benicio del Toro, Stephen Baldwin, Gabriel Byrne. Long and short of it, yeah, good cast. If 
we're just judging this on the performance of the cast rather than actually yes. talking about the people. Death of the author, which or whatever, is yeah. problematic in itself, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, I did really enjoy this. It is a. I can see why it's such a heralded yeah. movie, sharply written, well directed, well edited, well acted, funny, and the final act. Well, I, I like. I, I totally could see it coming. <laughs> Good, good. Some people didn't. But it's very well done. Yeah. It's very well done. And I would go into this movie cold. Like, just don't read anything about it. Watch it. So if you're looking for something to watch over Christmas and you're okay watching problematic people on the screen, <laughs> oh boy. then don't buy it. usual suspects. Don't, don't send it it's any good. money. No, I, like, I, I liked it. I did like it. Yeah, but just make sure you pirate it. Don't, 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 don't show them support. Okay. Right. What have you watched? Uh, I've watched I, okay things I think I've, I'm ready to review out of my things that I need to think about reviewing list I've got a film and two shows uh, let's, go, let's start with one of the shows I've got a film I've got a, I've got a film I've got an anime and I've got a, t- a TV show okay let's uh, let's hear the anime and also I've just we just finished season two of uh, Avatar that anime show from like 15 years ago the, 20 years ago the, uh, the, the, the cartoon the cartoon yeah it's not quite an anime yeah, is it okay cool are you enjoying yeah, it's actually, it's actually good, quite good fun. Yeah, Good stuff. We'll anyway, talk about sorry. that when you're done. I Go. finished season one of Skip and Lofe. Oh. Sounds, Sounds great, like a, doesn't it? Uh, Sounds fabulous. Slipper. It is. It, it kind of actually legitimately is. It's, the loafer is about the shoe, yeah. Uh, so it's actually, it's just a very, 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 I'm using my thesaurus too, uh, cute uh, slice of life, a little bit of a romance thing about like some out of towner girl coming into the city to go to school and becoming accidentally really good friends with like the popular kid but like but like a cool popular kid not like a cringe popular kid not like jock popular just like a cool dude um and it's 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 obviously like just a teenage coming of age uh story so it does what you'd expect there but coming of age stories i think they're i think they're timeless i i i kind of like almost all of them if they're done well because they condense so many messages down into this one small period of life that like it's very insecure and rapid growth kind of time period that most of us i'm not saying i don't think everybody but most of us can relate to so because it's such a relatable thing i can go back and watch these shows that are that are based around this time of life and just still be impacted by them and still be affected by them and like this was just one of the most adorable TV shows I've oh. ever seen. Why, why it adorable? Was, it, was, it was cute from start to finish. Well, just because the characters were just compelling, well-written, like, realistic while also um, flawed. And uh, their interactions weren't, like, forced. It wasn't just, like, they were setting up this arc and fitting the characters to the arc. It was just, it felt like a natural show featuring real people, even though it was obviously just an anime. Um, okay. So like just gen- like genuinely, it's hard to really summarize it without giving it all away. But it was just lovely, and it definitely goes on my shows that I would that I will maybe like even rewatch just to re-experience the good vibes. Sometimes we need things that are just pure good energy. And even though the show had to have like its dramatic moments, its sad moments, its difficult moments, they all resolved in ways that felt earned and justified and that I wasn't troubled by, you know? Okay. And that's just perfect sometimes. So yeah, 10 out of 10. Cute out of 10. One TV show I'm going to talk about in two sentences, RuPaul's Drag Race Season 5, <laughs> semicolon. Really enjoyed the series. Okay, yeah. Good characters, good stories. And I mean that, of course, this is not a, like a written, scripted show, but the people who are on the show 
were great to watch. They were just good fun. And the winner was the right winner. I was very satisfied with the finale, which was uh, yesterday. So if you are a fan of, or even, you know what? If you've never watched RuPaul before, go okay, watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the show. So Nice. It will come back for more, I'm sure. Okay, back to you. Uh, all right, film or TV? Let's go movie. I watched Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. <laughs> Why? Because it's incredible. <laughs> Sorry, Puss in, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah, the latest Puss in Boots movie. You know, the spin-offs from Shrek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, you're going to have to ex- explain more than just because it's incredible. It's actually amazing. Why? It's actually just a really Why? good film. How? It is honestly one of the best films of the year. Explain. Of what, I don't know what year it came out. It might have come out this year you, or last year, whatever year it came tell out. tell me more. Right. No, there's nothing else to say. <laughs> it's just an excellent film. To... Puss in Boots, excellent <laughs> Who film. Choose... Sorry. That's it. You don't no, no, need no. more. Who chooses to watch a sequel to a movie we did not need a sequel to anyway for a character who did not need movies anyway and then just be like, oh, it's incredible. It's amazing. Go and watch it. Come on. Somebody who sees like people that enjoyed it and go like, oh, maybe they enjoyed it for good reasons and then watches it and then goes, they enjoyed it for really good reasons. All right. So anyways, uh, this is it's obviously the last wish is implying like the, the, it's the end for someone somewhere, you know. So this story is following Puss in Boots as he discovers he's approaching the end of his days. Um, he realizes he's gay. No, actually, that I think that's the next one probably. Oh, um, but no. Okay. So uh, it's 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 an aged it's an age it's, it's it's gritty it's it's the Logan of the Puss in Boots universe. You know, it's it's aged Puss in Boots. He's old now. He's 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 old. He's passed it. He's died several times, but cats have lots of lives. You know. Okay. Uh, but no, just generally. Final shot is just his, his headstone. I don't want to say what the story is. But it's a good story. I don't want to say too much about the characters, but they're good. Puss in Boots is actually a good character. There is. Uh, for example, there are some very well animated and very effectively done panic attack scenes in this film oh. um, that made me feel as well like I needed to panic um, because just because they they are well done, well presented, well animated um, with a good character. He's not just like some comedic relief through the entire film. Um, these side characters are, are good. Uh, there's obviously quite a quite a huge cast of side characters varying from like just somewhat serious ones who just the movie needs to complete jokes that are obviously complete jokes but those they're, they're funny they're actually funny jokes the, the joke characters weren't just annoying some of them were a little bit annoying but it's a kids movie kind of so I'll, I'll allow that um, but it, they were just funny the funniest stuff was funny um, all right Overall, the animation was next level again. It was one of those films where you go and you're expecting it to be the usual standard of, you know, Shrek animation or whatever. But the studio is, has grown a lot since the Shrek days. And even the Shrek animations sometimes still stand up very well. Um, so there was like, they were doing the thing that the studios are learning to do of like adding in different styles every now and then, changing the feel of okay. things every now and then, using like random effects to really sell something. It, it worked. It was really well done. Um, the 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 character that stands out the most, aside from Puss, the Puss in Boots, obviously he's got, he's got his name on it, um, is the bad guy. And I don't want to say too much about the bad guy because you've clearly not seen this film and you should watch this film. But the bad guy is actually menacing. For a kids' film, I couldn't believe how how scary the bad right. guy was. The only thing I was surprised that this bad guy was in the film. Okay, just I have been looking at reviews on Rotten Tomatoes as you've been talking here, and here's a quote: "Puss in Boots Two is a shockingly phenomenal movie, tackling much deeper yeah. themes than you'd expect from a kids' film." There's actual depth. Th- right. This is not a kids' film. I'm I'm serious. This is a good film, not a good kids' film. Where Where did you watch I think it? It's just, uh, uh, wait. 
I don't even know. The internet. I was going to say it's Disney, but is it on Disney? <laughs> it, can't, it can't have been on Disney. I've, I imagine, well, it's DreamWorks. Maybe it was on Now TV. Okay, I've got that. Maybe it was on Now. Um, but yeah, so, so on top of just it being a good film with like deep messages and actually impactful story and good characters and having the animation that was just flawless, the, the cast is great as well. The cast all just sell their lines really well the whole time. There's not a single character who I'm like, oh, no, that they sound like they're phoning it in. Okay. They were putting, they were just actually trying. I was so proud of all of them because it was a good film and it made me want to be proud of more things than just the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. I could have stopped at telling you it was excellent and told you to go watch it. You, and, uh, you would have loved it. Okay, right. That's that, That's enough to, to tantalize the taste buds. I'm going to have to go and watch this movie now. All right. Yeah. Well, dear listener, if you've watched anything... Actually, you know what? I'm not going to tell you that because we're probably not going to play it. But we'll see. We'll, we'll discuss what the future of interaction looks like, if, if any. Because I know there's some podcasts which just ignore ev- everyone in the audience and they just tell a story or they have a conversation. So okay. I don't know. We'll see. But in the meantime, we do have one Four. maybe final asterisk, asterisk, asterisk review... And this is from Anthony, who has sent us his take on, I think it's Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm currently looking through the <laughs> my emails here. All right. Well, whatever it is, I'm going to press play. We're going to find out what it is. And we'll then, James will chunter along. Yeah. Hi, you Seesaw Parade. I'm back with not one, but two reviews for some oh. West End theater productions. That's two. The first Colin. is Agatha Christie's Witness for the Prosecution, which oh, is cool. a courtroom drama performed yeah. within a site specific courthouse on London's South Bank. I like The setting Agatha certainly Christie. adds to the production and makes it quite the immersive experience. And they even offer 12 unique seats to serve as the jury, something I passed up on but wish I had taken advantage of after seeing it. Uh, Ticket buyer's remorse, I guess. Mm. But uh, unlike other Agatha Christie tales where the murder unfolds and the blame is cast around the long list of characters, the bloody deed has already happened to the wealthy spinster and the alleged murderer, a young, naive Leonard Vole, is on trial to defend his Mm -hmm. innocence in killing this woman who just so happened to make him the sole heir to her fortune. Just like members of the jury, the audience learn the facts as they're presented in the courtroom and everyone is left to make their own judgments. Mm-hmm. I can't comment much on the plot and its twists and turns, but it kept me guessing until the verdict was read. Yeah. And I didn't even expect an M. Night Shyamalan-style twist. Yeah, All of the actors were phenomenal. So talented and convincing in their roles, I forgot that I was watching a production at points. Though I do believe some of the cast just turned over, which is a pity... I did hear that the production just got extended to April 2024, so if you like thrillers or courtroom dramas, don't miss this opportunity. Okay, okay. My second West End review is for Mrs. Doubtfire, which is the 1990s movie classic adapted to the stage and sprinkled with a few musical numbers. Okay. The original movie starred Robin Williams, who basically played his exuberant comedic self on the screen Mm -hmm. while rattling off different characters and impressions throughout the film. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are big shoes to fill, but Gabriel Vick in the title role did so exceptionally. Cool. Impersonations are certainly a strong suit. Transforming into the Scottish nanny was also pretty impressive because it was done in mere minutes, if not seconds. But the stage mask was far less convincing than the Hollywood equivalent. Mm 
um, which was applied with far more time and effort between takes. Understandable, but still an obstacle to believability. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Overall, Mrs. Doubtfire, it's a fun time, but Mm -hmm. it lacks depth, emotion, and offers very little beyond the original storyline. Watch it if you love the movie or are looking for a fun night. Mm -hmm. But don't attend this musical after just watching Witness for the Prosecution, which is what I did. It will fall very, very flat against that stellar production. Mm. I guess I had myself a little Barbenheimer dilemma, and I clearly watched them in the wrong order. Rip. Oh, well. Well, there we go. Two things I didn't know were were things, and now I do. Oh, well, the first one I knew was a thing. I didn't know there was a stage production of Doubtfire. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool idea for a stage production. I like it. Yeah, it's, it does sound really interesting, actually. Yeah, and yeah. it's if it's still going until April, yeah, there's maybe a chance I'll swing on by. Well, maybe you'll, maybe you'll go okay. get one of them duty seats. I I did say I had five things to review, but I think I lied because I mean we kind of talked oh. about it. It's the Avatar. Is it called the last? It's the last Airbender. That's what it is. Yeah, the cartoon. Yeah. And basically, yeah, it's like this cartoon which was on Nickelodeon, yeah. I think, in the early 2000s. Very anime-inspired, very anime-influenced. Very much so. So there's there's a cartoon. lot of things I'm seeing in the show which I can see I've, I've been basically straight up borrowed from. Yeah. yeah. Would you say just... With love. With, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, from original anime or from other studios. Yeah. And we stuck it on because the episode's like 20 minutes long. Yeah. Graham watched it as a kid. And ah. as you often find, there's a real nostalgia when you go back and watch your old shows that you loved as a kid. But actually, even as a grown man, I have actually been enjoying the show. So It's good. It's good. It's, it's well written it's funny in pieces it tells a really good story and the characters mm-hmm. are fully fleshed out so yeah, yeah i've been enjoying it we just finished uh season two and there's one final season which is on paramount plus oh, because okay. on black friday paramount plus were like hey hey buy our thing hey do it do it right now right, we'll get yeah, it for like yeah. pennies and i said okay sure I'll do it. <laughs> nice okay shall we talk about elon musk no oh wait Wait, no, sorry. We want to talk about you. Go. I've got one more. And I realized that I've probably talked about these in the wrong order because I talked about an anime that was like <laughs> really good. And then I talked about a film that was, as I said, excellent. Yep. And now I'm going to talk about Good Omens Season 2. Oh. Which was, it was all right. Bad? Oh. It was all right. Okay, Omens. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad TV. I enjoyed it, but it was all right. Um, I would say it wouldn't have been all right. It probably would have and shifted more into like, eh. If it wasn't for David Tennant. the cast, if it wasn't especially for uh, David Tennant and, and Michael Sheen, yep. um, their characters and the and the and the chemistry of those two actors together is insanely good. It would, they they would elevate anything. I'm sure if they were playing these characters, or they would elevate anything anyway. Playing anybody, those two are incredibly talented. So. Um, I don't know how good this would have been if it wasn't for them carrying really, really, really hard. Um, but it obviously is a season two to a show that is based on a book that was finished. Season one was the whole book. Season two, new material. A chance for Neil Gaiman to flex. And he he flexed a little, but not a lot, really. Um, so 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 I recommend it if you're a fan of, of the works. I recommend it if you're a fan of David Tennant and Michael Sheen, basically. Okay. Um, 
but I, I definitely as a standalone season, probably not that great. If you if you if you kind of were middling on season one, probably would skip season two. Um, and I, I I don't think anyone else would disagree. I doubt I'm saying something new here. It's been out for a long time. Yeah. Um, the like the rest of the cast does shine every now and then. They get a good moment, but definitely is carried by the lead by the leads. Um, the story was like a bit more meandering than the first one. Good Omens as a book and as a season one, it does meander, but in ways that all come together at the end and make sense. All right. Whereas season two kind of just meandered and it was and it didn't really come together this in the same way. There was just it was just a bit meandery instead. Uh, so, like, that's kind of charming if you didn't have the expectation that it's all going to come together at the end. Oh, okay. It might have been charming if I wasn't the entire time thinking, like, oh, how is this going to be relevant? Got it. It wasn't. It just wasn't relevant. It was just a, a nice little fun side story. Um, and it would have been that if it wasn't for me having expectations. Um, the writing is fine. Uh, sometimes the jokes are, like, a perfect 10. Sometimes they're, like, a heh. Uh, but nothing was, like, terrible. Um, all right. There was this element as well of watching these two uh, timeless characters because they're both, you know, there's an, there's an angel and a demon that have been around Earth since before day one. Mm-hmm. There's, an, there's an element of this season that is exploring their history, which is actually just in history, which was fun. It was fun seeing these characters interacting throughout different time periods on Earth as well. Okay. Um, which is a thing that, that this show can do that maybe other shows wouldn't be able to do in as convincing a way. So that was that was cool. Um, this show's definitely trying to set up a third season. And I believe that the the mm. idea for the third season is based around the actual follow-up story that um the that Gaiman and Pratchett were planning on writing maybe one day, but then Pratchett okay. unfortunately died, you know. He did. Um he did, and it's tragic. And I still feel very sad about it every time I think about it. Um so the 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 third season is apparently gonna be focused on that, so it might be a bit more, you know. Convincing, it might feel more in the right place, but it, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not feeling like I need a third season, even though the story doesn't feel finished about one. It does, it does. Okay, yeah. I want to penultimately go to Bob Iger because I feel it's only fitting okay, that this yeah. iteration of Cease Operate end with Elon Musk. Is that fair? Yeah, sure, sure, sure thing. Okay, so makes sense. This, this is something we may devote further episodes to, but the decline in quality and the decline in box office at Marvel and also at Disney generally right. came up in a, a big tech event that's currently happening in the States. And this is a, a story that the Disney CEO, Bob Iger, who of course was deposed and then he came back, yeah. he believes that these Marvel movies, for example... The Marvels, which is currently out in cinemas, which I was unaware of, Uh is underperforming because there weren't enough executives on the set. Uh, Okay. That's his reasoning. So this was at the New York Times Dealbook Summit on Wednesday. Wide-ranging interview in which he discussed lots of stuff, the kind of tough period that Disney is in, and regarding then the decline at the box office of Marvel movies, he has reiterated and this is the quote here quality needs attention yeah doesn't happen by accident quantity in our case diluted the quality yeah which that yeah fair enough all right yeah but uh yeah his on the marvels in particular he says that the reason it's falling short is because it was short during it was filmed during covid and uh, yeah there weren't enough executives who were on the set there i mean like I don't want to be okay. the person who's like, yeah, we need more oversight on films, and we need more like more chefs in the yeah. kitchen. But I don't think he is quite saying that. It sounds like he's saying there were no chefs in the kitchen 
in terms of executives. I don't know if it, maybe it's because I'm reading it and I'm thinking like there's not enough. So there's some films are going without executives rather than some of them maybe only have one when he wants five. Um, sure. If he's saying that he wants five executives, then yeah, I'm not sure I trust that because a big part of the problem for me has always just been this feeling that everybody at Marvel is just shaking hands, patting backs and agreeing with each other when they need to be disagreeing a lot harder. Yep. Um, and there's just not enough disagreement at Marvel about what to do. Um, and at Disney as well. Disney's also suffering. I think they've only had one profitable film this year or one of their major films that was, was profitable this year. Um, it, it feels like they're not challenging each other no. rather than that there's not enough people. And also they've been sharting out content at an unbelievable yeah, rate. Yeah, and that's when, it, that's when it gets compelling. Yeah. yeah, and if you look at the early days of Marvel, the reason why they had so much early success was that each movie felt like a big event because there was only one or maybe two a year. Yeah. Whereas now... There's half a dozen in the space of a year. And TV shows, yeah. And TV shows uh, that you have to watch. Unless, uh, If you don't, then you won't know what's happening in the movies. And, and, it, and it does make sense that if their oversight group hadn't expanded at the same rate as the productions expanded, that there would be less oversight and therefore less quality. Oversight does matter. Um, and you can, you can, I can definitely see a case for what he's saying, but it definitely feels like he's missing out a few of the big yeah. arguments. Okay, well, to end the show, let's talk about Elon Musk, who at the same oh, oh boy. summit, I mean, he's been, we could dedicate a whole episode, maybe we will. He's been a busy man. To uh, things he's been doing and saying over the last few weeks, but most recently, oh boy. he told advertisers to go f*** themselves. Yes. Because after accusations of anti-Semitism from him, yeah, because of things he tweeted, or sorry, posted, yeah. Uh, lots of the world's biggest companies pulled their ads, and now he is uh, very angrily retorting. He said these companies were attempting to blackmail him and said that if the site dies, <laughs> the world a... will know whose fault it was. Advertisers. <laughs> it's got such a and bad not idea the person in charge. Blackmail is when people refuse to pay me. <laughs> yeah, so um, he repeated the three-word phrase a couple of times, said... Is that clear? Well, it didn't Hope get so. a, it didn't get a response the first time. No, it so didn't. He tried again. Yeah. yeah, and then he also added a "Hey Bob," which was a reference to yeah, I don't Bob Iger. Like, obviously, don't sue me, Elon. But he looks like he's high. Does look all like the yeah. He didn't, didn't really. He look... looks like he's high every time he is on stage. What do you make? Yeah. What do you make of this? I mean, there's there's so much to to say about this, but this let's just this comment in particular. Genuinely, it's one of the more nuanced things that we can talk about as far as Elon goes. Usually, he's just wrong these days whereas this time like the advertising industry sucks and it's got way more influence over what gets a thumbs up and what's get a th what gets a thumbs down than it should the advertisers shouldn't be the ones deciding what gets on what platform right. and a lot of people including me have been saying this for a long time because advertisers are dictating like the youtube terms of service sure. limiting what creators can say and do uh, videos will get blacklisted because there was a little bit too strong language or because they talked about something that isn't advertiser friendly like i don't know war for example like there's so many things that we have to tiptoe around when we're making like for-profit content on the internet just because advertisers are so scared of running an ad near it. And I think that that is an overreaction on the advertiser's part, and I okay. think that they wield way too much power because in response to their overreaction, all the companies kind of grovel and say, no, 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 please stay. So, like, Elon's right. got a point. However, well, 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 he earned it in this case. He was anti-Semitic. Yeah. He, is, he is retweeting 
hateful content. He is retweeting yeah. uh, conspiracy content. He is doing all these things that it doesn't feel like an overreaction for advertisers to pull out because Elon isn't just some user on the platform. He is yeah. the platform. So, okay, but also yeah. in, in the Musk, you're an idiot camp, his platform has had an increase in racism, a decrease in yeah. content moderation. He's yeah. re-platformed dangerous people. Yeah. He shared and responded to harmful and debunked conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, held up microphones on the platform to biased and incorrect talking points, placed ads next to neo-Nazi content, and suddenly the advertisers won out? Yeah, must be blackmail. Exactly. So, like, the overall talking point of advertiser is bad, I agree with. Elon does not get my vote. <laughs> like, it's right. one of those situations where the person you disagree with is kind of making a similar point, but for all of the wrong reasons. But you want to you try and direct people to the right version of that point. Because okay. the point of advertisers having too much sway, definitely. Advertising industry influences the world way too much. It destroys people. Um, however... Elon has earned them removing themselves from his platform, and it's not blackmail. It's 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 uh, embarrassing that he thinks it's blackmail. Also, on a side note, did you see the the new video of them testing how strong the glass in a Cybertruck was? Is it have they done that again? I thought that was ages ago. Can you can you sorry go on go on the podcast? Is this run when order. they throw a ball at the window? Yep. So go go on the run that order. Was ages ago, wasn't it? Click on it, right? So this happened in 2019. All right where Elon threw a steel ball yeah. at the Cybertruck in 2019 to show how strong the glass was. And of course it failed, the glass cracked. Yeah. They have repeated the stunt, except this time... They did it again. If you watch the video, I think it's their... Is it a baseball? It's like their head of d- d- design. He is throwing now a baseball. It's a bouncy ball. It's a, right, it's, did you see the throw? He's throwing a baseball. <laughs> He's delicately throwing a baseball at a window. <laughs> To, to call it throwing a baseball is an yeah, overstatement. He basically lightly yeah. chucks this bouncy ball at a window. You could do that on any car. Ah, <laughs> uh, very Why funny. Why is he smiling? What is this? What is happening? Exactly. All right, I have yeah. watched this. Very funny. That's so much more embarrassing than the window breaking if you throw metal at it. <laughs> okay. Anyway. That has to be a joke. That has to be a joke. That's they that's had what to have been joking. Unless but no, but surely they were doing it as a joke. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I, do, I doubt they did. They don't seem smart enough to to say jokes. But yeah. All right. What? Anyway, yeah, like, that's a funny one. I didn't. I can't believe they redid that <laughs> and they didn't even do it again properly. They just what? Yeah. what? Okay. Time to end the show. Wow, We've talked okay. for a long time. And we have, dear listener, once again, thank you for listening, for still listening to the show. No, every, every time, yeah, thank you, thank you. Does does mean a lot. And uh, also, the the Spotify wrapped thing was like, oh yeah, uh, over fifty people have you in their most listened to top five podcasts Aww. ever of the year. Wow, so that was nice. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, one of whom's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But no, like genuinely, like it's um, this is we're trying to we want to make something that is good, and we have been making something that is good, we have. but it is burning us out. So, it the fact that you've all listened to us clearly getting more and more fed up with the world and burned out, <laughs> we appreciate that we very do. very much. We do. It's not like we think that we've wasted our time at all, but we do want to make something better. We do, and we will in the new year. Yes. All right. Well, for the time being, James. Yep. 
uh, well, good. Thank, thank, thanks very much. Three, two, three, bye. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. We'll we'll just end uh, <laughs> unexpectedly. Yes, absolutely. Mid sentence. I mean, now we've wait.